So I was talking to one of our allies a few weeks ago, and he recently moved across the country from California to Austin to start a basketball training center. And it's for kids, mostly middle school, high school. And I ask him, what's the biggest challenge you have day in and day out? Because these are, these are students who are pretty dedicated. I mean, they're going full force into this, this calling. And he said the biggest challenge is when he has to tell them, you're going to have to rework your shot. And to rework your shot, it's going to take two, three months every day because I'm going to show you a new way to shoot the ball. And these were some of the highest scores on their teams wherever they're from. And what he was saying is this is the most challenging part because what was good enough for them to be a top player in the past isn't good enough for them to be the top player in the games yet played. Okay. And very few kids will go for that. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's huge. Friends, welcome back to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. That was Alan Arnold here with Morgan Snyder and and me, John Eldridge. And we're picking up part two in a conversation on what in the world is going on right now in the lives of a lot of really solid followers of Jesus. And what we were describing last time, if you, if you didn't hear it, was just, man, you know, things, uh, people going through things in their marriage, things with their kids, not small things, big things, things in their business, their calling, their health. Something really does seem to be afoot. A and, and yes, the hour is late. And so the battle is intense. And, you know, warfare is always a category. And yes, the world is chaotic and demanding. And that's a category. But what we were trying to put out last time was... The idea that we believe, I strongly believe, that part of what's taking place right now is the turning of the dial up, the cranking up, accelerating the maturity process in the saints. And and what we're trying to throw out there is this is actually going to be a super helpful interpretive tool for you and a very hopeful one. Hang with us because we think we think this has got a lot of hope to it. But Alan, that story, that's exactly it. Another way of saying this is as you mature and you hit these these times where God is doing this, yesterday's manna, right? Your old way of shooting, mm-hmm. not gonna work anymore. Right. And 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 he he's insisting on a deeper life. He's insisting on some changes. And kind of where we started last time was my goodness, whatever else you do, please ask him, like get some interpretation on this. Don't just knee jerk reaction to, well, this is the enemy coming in and we just have to shut this down, you know, or, or I'm blowing it and I just, you know, I need to get my act together. Pause, get interpretation, ask God what he's up to, you know, you've enrolled in this camp, right? So to speak, you signed up for this, whether you know it or not, you signed up for maturity and, and, and for transformation. Pause. As you were telling the story last time, Alan, about the hospital visit and the big old bill when you guys didn't have room for a big old bill and just going, Jesus, what is this? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm right in the center of this. This wasn't an accident and this wasn't warfare. I'm right in the center of doing something very healing in your life. And it changed everything yeah. with that interpretation. Yeah. So starting from there, welcome back, friends. We we do want to go into just some guidance, some some loving counsel, some direction. If God is cranking the maturity process, if if he's if he's really I call it the winnowing of the saints, if he if he really is after just deeper gold in us, then the best thing you can possibly do 
is embrace the process. Cooperate. (laughs) As quickly. Easier said than done. As you possibly can. (laughs) Cooperate with the process. But, okay, so let me just throw this out there. So you're sitting with someone that you love and care about. They have come through and talked about their mistaken interpretations, and now they're like, really? Really? You think this is a God is growing Hmm. me up is part of what's going on? Hmm. Obviously, the enemy shut that down, you know the world, get out of the chaos, do what you can with those other categories. But what would you then say to them? They're asking you, okay, I'm in, help mm-hmm. me. What, what from your journey mm-hmm. has, has proven to be helpful for you? Yeah, John, I think uh, two ideas, big ideas come to me just in the spirit of real practical points. The question of how, what are the indicators of spiritual maturity? Kind of what what are those kind of soulful measures, if if there is anything to point to? And two of them that really helped in my apprenticeship over the last decade under older men. One is been said this way that our spiritual maturity can be observed in the quality in which we relate. To other people. Mm-hmm. And so in the real nuts and bolts of practicality of h- how am I relating to the people in my world? W- what is my impact on them? What is, what is the patterns that are simply in the false and not open to the spirit of God? What are reactionary instead of a pause and a response? How, what's, what's my effect? And so I think it's really huge to just do an inventory and use that as a, as a real life today Absolutely. moment to say, where do I need to go in another piece? Uh, let me just pause sure. on that and say, so how are your relationships gang? Mm. Right? You just pause and have a quick look. How how are you relating? Are you growing as a loving person? Right. And 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 what are you like to be around? Are you open to that being transformed, even to the point of letting him reshape your shot? You mm-hmm. know, like like literally reshape you. You know, what you thought was your strong suit. He's saying, Yeah, yeah, but you've lived on that for years. And there are these undeveloped parts of you. Just asking Jesus, what are we working on, yes. Lord? Oh, he'll make it very clear. He's, he's in it. Exactly. Another one that's really helpful to me, kind of the, this indicator of, of spiritual maturing and, and an on-ramp of sorts. It's been said this way to me, how quickly and how deeply I respond to God's initiative in my life. In other words, what's my mode with God? I mean, most people can go years fighting God on something. You know, God will bring something up. And I remember when that was my spiritual life. I mean, Sherry encouraged me, pulled me, enticed me to see a counselor for three years. For three years. Now I'm walking with God. I want maturation, but I had no interest in seeing a counselor. The next time she came around and said, hey, I think you ought to see a counselor over this. And it, my response time was a week. You know, it was, it was an indicator. Okay, I'm responding. And I really believe we talk often about union, that we are invited as we're maturing to become the kind of person that our response time gets quicker and more deeply, where it goes from years to months to days to even minutes and moments yes. where we are attuned 
to what God's doing. And we, he has this, yes. And John, you were saying in the last podcast, you were using the word surrender as, as kind of a modus operandi of, of maturity. And I look at that as it's a harnessed strength to say, I am yielded over to God more than my self life. Great film recently out, Only the Brave. It's about the granite hotshots, firefighters. And and basically there's this brilliant storyline in it where this father figure wounds a young man and then goes to seek repentance and restoration. And he says this when he's saying, I'm sorry for wounding you, he says, We don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. We don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And so I just want to name, it's not to live in self-doubt. Rather, it's to live in a posture of surrender where we go, I want my view of reality to come more and more in alignment with what's true. With, with the nature of God, but it requires a posture of curiosity and openness to being changed. Yeah, that's really good. So it, as opposed to, I got to get this fixed. Exactly. Solve I, this problem. I've got to get this fixed, this, this, you know, adolescent, you know, child that I've now got and things are blowing up or, or, it, you know, hard stuff. I'm, I'm not minimizing this for a moment, hard stuff. But the, the you know, knee jerk reaction, the immediate response is we got to fix this. How do we fix this? Instead of God, what are you up to? I align with you. I come to you quicker and quicker in this to say, what are you doing? And this may have everything to do with not, you know, as things are, but the way I think things are. My biases, my, yes. my, my filters, my prejudices, my assumptions, you know, tied to all kinds of things in my life. Alan, what about you? You're sitting with someone you love. Yeah. They're asking you about the maturity process. What, what do you say? Well, I think the first question would be, are you more hungry for refinement or relief? Because refinement means staying a student. God will refine you if you will stay a student. And, and I heard somebody the other day say, our learning bandwidth is a direct proportion of how much we listen versus how much we talk. Hmm. When you talk, you don't learn. You're just speaking what you think you already know, right? But somebody that listens is taking in new data and in being humble in that way. And with God, what is our what is our learning bandwidth? How much are we listening to him so that he can father us because no, we haven't arrived. And as much as we have in our tool belt, we haven't mastered it and we're not there. We're that building we talked about last week under construction and the building doesn't need to hurry up. It's on pace. And we don't critique the building because it's not done yet. We understand it's a process. So that's the first thing is, are you willing to be refined? The second thing I would say, John, is as you were talking about how God is accelerating our maturation what I would just bring up to people is he's accelerating it, but our response isn't to accelerate the pace of our life because that's the trap of the world, I think, is mm-hmm. go faster, 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 more, more, mm-hmm. more, more, get mm-hmm. get it done, get it done. And so, yes, God is up to accelerating our maturation, but I would tell somebody, actually slow down 
so that God can accelerate that. Yes. Be able to listen, yes. be able to take in, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and don't be in a hurry. This is not yes. a microwavable yeah. instant thing. It's going to take time. Yeah. And that's a good thing. And that's a good thing. It's kindness. So let me let me add two things to that that were on my list, Alan, that fit right in right in with what you're saying. The first thing is when you are hard pressed, when there is rough times, when huge things are going on, either externally or internally, kindness says lighten your load everywhere else you can. Okay, so now is not the time to volunteer to help in your child's class. Now is not the time to take on that new mission program, you know, or or launch this calling that you've been dreaming of, even if you have the opportunity to. Just wait. That'll come back around. You got to lighten your load because big things are going on in your life right now. And, and, and yes, of course the enemy is going to jump on it. So you've got to be very careful against dogpile, right? Where you just get overwhelmed with everything. Um, so you were saying, slow down, be kind, allow for the process. The other thing I would say, and we, we mentioned this last time, is ask Jesus what the particular thing is he's working on. Yes. Right? This isn't about total overhaul. This isn't about throwing everything out. I love this passage in Matthew 13. Jesus says, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. And just to say, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. This doesn't mean you're a disaster. The fact that God is after deep things in your life doesn't mean that everything that you have had is false. It's just that yesterday's manna is insufficient. And therefore, don't go to, well, it's all it's all rubbish. You know, I got to change everything. Mm-hmm. I got to change. No, no, no. It's you have treasures. God has done beautiful things mm. in your life. You are well on your way, okay? It's just that now he's after this other thing yes. or this deeper thing. And he's either trying to address character issues in you, personality issues, loving issues, or or he's he is trying to invite you to walk by a deeper faith, to live by a more grounded hope, to go deeper into the spiritual life. The things you've had have been beautiful. So it's old treasures and new. Don't don't throw the old treasures out. Don't despise them just because he's now asking new things of you. That's just some kindness in those two things. Ask God his interpretation, right? Align quickly, mm-hmm. lighten the load. You don't want to fight a multi-front war. Yes. And, and so if you are fighting on a huge front right now, you try and shut down the others if you can John, what's been really helpful for me, I think, to get to what you are saying is this the real operational idea of what's the access point right now, right? right? I mean, scripture, we talk often about the narrow road. It's interesting how the scriptures say there is a narrow gate and a narrow road that leads to life and few find it. But when you do, you find life. And for me, that metaphor of the gate is a way of God saying at every moment, in every day, there is an access being made available. And so what is the on-ramp 
right here and right now. And, and I think it, it really moves us out of the overwhelmed and gets us back to what we talked about last week of the Romans eight of it's, it's deeply encouraging because God is leading this, right? He's initiating, he's asking for Mm. response. So the question becomes, God, what is the access point today into this frontier of what you're doing? Yeah, and the access point is probably the crisis you're in, mm-hmm. and the way you're responding to it. <laughs> and or and it's often really small, yeah. right? It's a small, very tangible thing, but it mm-hmm. will change your soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me offer a couple other things, friends, that I think would be helpful. One is when the fires are hot, begin loving Jesus very intentionally. Just right then, right in the moment, right in that particular pain, in this, I begin loving you. Not generally, not, of course, Lord, I love you, I worship you, you know, play some worship music. But no, in this exact place, your panic over your finances, the deeper things he just surfaced in your marriage, the fact that you have no friends, and the loneliness of that, right there, in that pain. You begin loving Jesus very intentionally. Why? For a couple of reasons. One, because it helps you align. It brings you into alignment with what he's doing. It gets you closer. Draw near. Draw near. Because you want to walk closely with him through whatever's going on. But it also surfaces those parts of us that do not feel like loving Jesus right now, that are angry at Jesus or don't believe Jesus or aren't good. And that is part of the gold. Those places are, right, that deeper wholeheartedness for God. And so just begin loving Jesus very intentionally right in the particular issue, not like as a dissociation from it, you know, but but literally in it. John, John, what does that look like? Like love him well in it. So the hard time with finances, you're in that place. Say say a little more on I don't that. mean externally, I mean internally. So yeah, how how what yes. would you what so would So your heart your heart right in that place is full of fear. In the fear, in your heart, you literally start saying, I love you very much, God. I'm terrified and I love you very much. It's not an external thing. It's not, okay, I'm going to go serve the Sunday school class. It's not that. It's internal and it's in the places of anxiety, panic, pain, anger, whatever it is. Right there in that, you say, Lord, just right here, I love you. I love you from this place. Okay. Now, something deeply, deeply connected to this and deeply connected to what God is doing is I guarantee you that he is after more surrender of the self-life. More surrender of the self-life. And, and we've talked about the self-life in other places, particularly if you listen to the Envy podcast. There is almost a whole episode on that because the self-life is, is that part of us that is easily offended. Where, where are you easily angered? Where are you easily offended? What's that part of you that, that just so quickly takes offense? That's the self-life. Mm. And it's a whole construct in every human being. It's the independent life of God mm-hmm. that, that you know, we got with original sin. Uh, but the self-life has an agenda and the self-life has a way of reacting 
to the world. The self-life is that part of us, frankly, that envies very easily other people's successes. So that'll help get you into what is my self-life. But I'll guarantee you what the self-life is committed to is relief. The self-life is committed to relief. And you have to surrender that because this is about deeper things. This is about joy and love and God. And and does that bring relief? Of course it does, but not like, you know, I just need to go get a bag of donuts. I need a bottle of scotch. I need, you know, self-life is deeply committed to relief and you will need to surrender that. The self-life is deeply committed, profoundly committed to quick resolution. Just get me out of this thing. Just get me out of it. Just tell me what to do and we'll fix it. That's actually the self-life. The self-life is looking for the quick fix and you have to surrender that. In the maturation process, you know, is is more and more surrender of the self-life so that the life of Jesus may inhabit us. The life of Jesus can't permeate our being while the self-life is permeating our being. Okay, so God cares very much about your heart. I'm not saying that you, you crucify the heart. You crucify the self-life with all of its agendas, right? Its commitment to self-protection. You know, why do we have problems in relationship? Why? The number one reason we have problems in relationship is is our particular style of self-protection. Mm-hmm. That's it, yep. right? And so for some if for some of you, it's silence. That's how you self-protect. Mm-hmm. And for others of you, you talk too much. That's how you self-protect. And for others of you, you control. You absolutely control everyone in your world, and that's how you self-protect. And others of you, you isolate, and that's how you self-protect. That's the self-life. And you can't move into good relationship and good loving while you are still letting the self-life drive the bus, right? So you surrender the self-life. And John, just to clarify, so am I right in what you're saying that the first step, real practical, is become aware what is the self-life? What it Become aware of how am I operating with a motive that's simply relief or a motive to protect, to kind of avoid out of shame or fear. And, and as I become aware of it, mm-hmm. th- that's painful because that in some ways it feels like mm-hmm. it multiplies it, but mm-hmm. I have to be aware so mm-hmm. that I can separate a life in God with a self-life. Uh, and then it's crucifying that, putting it to death mm-hmm. and growing in my true self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we're just naming some things that, that are or that are helpful categories if God is, in fact, deeply committed to that Romans 8. You know, he patterned our lives along Christ and now he is completely committed that that process be completed. If we're aligning with that, so much of the surrender is surrendering yesterday's manna. The things that worked in the past may not work anymore. Jesus, what are we doing today, right? Surrendering the successes. You've built a kingdom. It's working well for you now. Are you willing now to let it go, right? This is more surrender. And I would add to all of this, take the long-term view. Take the long-term view of things. Because uh, that's directly against the quick fix. Long term, like how long is long? What do you mean long term? Let's push it. Years, not days. Mm. Years, not days. So that re- relational dysfunction, that addiction, that huge setback may years. take years. 
may take years. But if God is with you in it, you have God. And with God, you have everything. You have life. You have joy. This isn't, this isn't the long march through the wilderness. Like, you have God. The beauty thing is, is that the more deeply we surrender our lives, the more of God we have. And the more of God we have, the more life we have. That's the, that's yes. the total paradox of he who seeks to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. It, it, it feels so counterintuitive to let go of those things to us that are just we're absolutely committed to making life work. But the great surprise, the joyful surprise is on the other side of that is not deprivation. Right. On the other side of that is not emptiness. On the other side of that is fullness of life because he's trying to give you more of himself. As we were praying, we, we paused between session one and session two here in these podcasts. We're here in part two and asked Jesus, what are you saying? What do you want to make sure? It was very fascinating. I, I heard him say two things. I asked him, Jesus, what are you doing? And he said, I'm getting them ready. I'm getting them ready. Now, folks, do, do you understand what that means? I'm getting them ready. He is deeply committed to getting us ready for the coming of the kingdom and for our roles in the coming kingdom. So let me just remind us of the parable of the talents and the minas. He says, uh, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done. Well done. My good servant, his master replied, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. And the second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. And his master answered, you take charge of five cities. And I love how in the parable of the talents, that phrase added there is, share in your master's happiness. Mm. Share in your master's happiness. So gang, when we embrace the long-term process, with the long-term view, when we sense that Jesus is getting us ready, you understand not everyone enters the kingdom of God in the same condition. We don't all go through what Dallas called the cosmic car wash and everybody is just exactly the same in mm. heaven. That, I mean, that would, that would be a, a mockery of how you spent this life. Scriptures are very, very clear that how you spend this life is everything in how your future life is shaped. You are shaping your future life right now. Not everyone enters in the same condition and not everyone enters into the same fullness of reward. When Jesus says, I'm getting them ready, like we, we are about to embrace the coming kingdom and you have a role to play in that and you are being shaped for that and your rewards are being shaped, they're growing or diminishing. That's why this life matters so much. I had this hunch that God was cranking up the dial, but we literally stopped and prayed here in the studio and he said two things. He said, I'm getting them ready. And then he said this, draw near, draw near, let me shape you. 
draw near, let me shape you. And I am personally so aware this summer that that that's the invitation. Let me shape you. Let let me do this. Now, now, gang, before we before we close, I do need to say we can't personalize this mm-hmm. to a particular life. And so for some of you, it is just attack that's going on. And you do need to pray. My goodness, you know, pray the daily prayer, pray the resources, bring the work of Christ against the attack. Yes, sometimes it is simply attack. And and sometimes it's just the sin of other people. You are, you are just in circumstances right now that have blown up because of the way other people are behaving. Of course, there are other dynamics. It isn't only this, but this is a very important category. And so that's why we pause and we ask Jesus, Jesus, what's going on? What is this in my life right now? And, and, and where are we working? What's the particular thing we're doing? And he, he may tell you to you know, pray against curses that are coming against you. He, he may tell you to break relationship with toxic people in your life. Who knows, right? We, we can't tailor a podcast to a particular life. But what we are saying in this two-part series is, gang, there does seem to be something very important going on right now. Yeah, and interpretation is huge, but as we're saying today, initiation is huge. And no matter what else is going on with the enemy or other people, God is always inviting us into initiation. Mm-hmm. So that's always a good place to press into in your maturation is, God, where are you inviting me into mm-hmm. being more of a son mm-hmm. or a daughter? Yeah. Yeah. And John, what I appreciate about what you said, even when it's the sin of other people, even when it's warfare, the deeper work is always our maturing. Yes. And so, you know, Alan, you started the podcast with that brilliant uh, metaphor of the of basketball, right? And, and the boys are being trained for the next level, but they have to unlearn some things. And as you shared that, mm-hmm. just in my spirit, I'm back to the scripture where it's clear if we want to grow and mature, the scriptures say mm-hmm. we have to live like a farmer like a soldier and like an athlete mm-hmm. that it's saying something of um, the predominant posture of a soldier, a farmer and an athlete among many other things is one of the steady ongoing process mm-hmm. of doing the work daily mm-hmm. and preparing for something coming. In the meantime, in all three of those kind of arenas, there's so much fruit in the short term. There's such validation in a good training workout, right? There's, there's validation. Kind. God is kind. There's joy today. Yes, yes, there is. Right? It's not all out there ahead of us right. somewhere, right? There's joy today. There's love today. There's life today. And more and more, if we'll embrace that, yes, embrace the long-term view. So, gang, we just wanted to name it. We wanted to name it because we see it going on, and we thought by naming it and putting it out there, I think it's going to help a lot of people interpret what's happening in your lives right now. So you've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with Morgan Snyder, Alan Arnold, John Eldridge.